Welcome to Hate Change, the podcast where we question the truth and find happiness in new realities. My name is Anne Therese, and I'm so excited to have you here on this journey with me. So now, let's get ready to embrace some change. Hey guys, this episode is a very special one for me and a bit of a bonus episode for you because I'm inviting you to take part of a very deep and personal conversation with one of my best friends, Karen Smith. Karen and I have, since we first met a couple of years ago, shared a lot of confusion, growth, and also discovery of self-love through our individual journeys. And in all this growth and confusion, we felt the need to seek advice and support in one another just to kind of, you know, help each other stay sane. Then one day in one of our weekly phone calls, we thought of the idea of sharing some of our recent life quests and soul-searching discoveries with my amazing listeners at Hey Change. And so this bonus episode came to life. I won't give too much away, but this episode is all about how to practice action and faith and how to get in touch with your gut feeling and how to follow the path of the universe even when nothing seems to make sense. It's about finding your inner voice and learning how to speak up and how maybe that's actually the way to build a compassionate and understanding world. We'll also share our recent learnings of how life is not supposed to be about finding perfection, but about seeking the challenges and struggles that will make you feel alive. Guys, I'm super excited about this one. So without further ado, a big welcome to my friend and the ultimate girl boss, Karen Smith. All right, welcome back to another episode of Hey Change. And naturally, since we are in the middle of Mercury retrograde, we've just been dealing with about 30 minutes or so of technical issues. And um, I'm really grateful for Karen uh, because it's late for her in the East Coast, but she still managed to pull through. And after a, a few startovers for Skype, we were able to figure this out. So here we are finally talking. Hi, Karen. <laughs> Hi, T. I don't think I've ever had such a big smile on my face in light of technical difficulties. So all is well. <laughs> all is well. All is good. Uh, I feel like also the best way to start this girl talk that we're about to have is to give the audience a proper introduction of who we are, who you are, and why we are such close friends. And so I guess there are a few things that we have to reveal right now, so I hope you're fine with that. Um, Number one, we are both moon babes, and we follow the moon cycles and all its energy closely. Two, we both tend to think a lot, and with a lot of thinking comes overthinking, so I feel like a big part of our relationship is actually based on helping each other overthink less and, you know, kind of see the bigger picture. And then number three is that we both have this inner desire of wanting to get to know ourselves to our deepest roots and to learn how we can find peace within ourselves and grow as humans. And so with that said, the weekly phone calls that Karen and I have as friends are very much about helping each other figure out what the kind of shit comes up to surface as you go deep into those, you know, wanting to learn about who you are and also how to deal with those shit when it comes and to continue on our soul searches for a better and more peaceful peaceful versions of ourselves. So Karen and my relationships are it's very much about just being there for each other as soul sisters to deal with all the shit but also all the magic. And it's been incredible to have her as my close friends for this the past two years. It's not even been two years, but I feel like I've known you my entire life. 
I anyway. feel the same way, T. And if I may so rudely interject here, yes, um, there are two things I might add to that that beautiful, beautiful intro. One is that while we're deeply interested in our own individual journeys of development, both for ourselves, for the other person, for us as soul sisters, sisters collectively, I think something else we share is there's a backdrop to that journey, which is that the end goal is not just fulfillment for ourselves, but rather preparing ourselves as an instrument to actually make the kind of difference in the world that we are both really committed to making. Um, I mean that not in a grandiose way in terms of we're out to change the world, you know, changing the world is a way of being that can shine through just in the way you interact with one person every day. Um, I think you and I share a vision for something that's much bigger in scale than that, but I feel it's important. It's an important nuance to call out for your wonderful listeners that it's not just personal development for the sake of personal development. It's personal development as a starting point to really be an instrument to alleviate suffering of some sort. Um, so that's that's one thing I would just add in. Um, yeah, thank you for adding that. And I feel like also, you know, I think that's why we were so drawn to each other because we felt like we had that in common. But also, I mean, I think from the other end, we have both been grown up wanting to kind of save the world and then understanding that mm. saving the world also means actually helping ourselves first. And so yes. how can you find that one friend or those friends and family members who will be there to help you on that journey? Because it is incredibly, incredibly important to also take care or to take care of yourself first, because only then can you go out in the world and really do good for others. So, exactly. yeah, I mean, I'm so happy I have you, obviously. And also, by the way, you're actually the first one ever to come back to my show for a second round. So I guess there's some kind of honor to that as well. And um, thank you for coming back, Erin. Welcome back. <laughs> I, will, I will gladly take it um, and celebrate with a quick anecdote of uh, when I saw you, it was at a mutual friend's house. This is where we met for the first time. And you were in this extraordinary maxi dress, these bomb-ass glasses, a top knot that was the only one I'd ever seen that was higher than my own. And as I like to say, I fell head over heels in a girl crush, and I have still not recovered. So cheers to you. I love you so much. And that was before <laughs> I cut my hair, by the way. So by now, your top knot is better than mine. Um, also, if you haven't, you listen, if you haven't heard the previous episode with Karen is episode 014. And in that one, we talk a lot more about fashion and how to be cool and thoughtful because that's her whole mission. So go check out 014 if you want to look. Well, because you want to listen to our other episode too. But yeah, it's a good one. It's a really good one. And one of my earlier ones. So uh, I would make sure to not miss that one. Anyways, um, the last time we spoke was around, or last time we spoke, last time you were on my podcast <laughs> was around June 2017. So it's been about a year. And um, do you feel like a lot has changed in this one year? Um, at the risk of being slightly hyperbolic, I think that's probably the biggest understatement ever because I feel like literally everything has changed in the past year. Um, on the level of circumstances, I moved, I started a new job, I started a relationship. And I think in the process, you know, having those circumstances change so dramatically has put me in a completely different place in terms of my own development. Um, I think the one thing that's really constant, and if anything is deepened, is these practices of self-awareness, the practice of 
you know, becoming a better version of yourself, the practice of becoming more aware of the things that don't serve you and, and the practice of creating new ways of being and new ways of operating has almost become more paramount and more potent as so much in my life has changed. Um, and all of these things have a hundred percent changed for the better. Um, I think it was in our last phone call. I was marveling with you about how this time last year, I had my life kind of like a sandbox. Like I was playing in the sandbox. The sandbox has pink walls, of course. And, um, you know, I knew where everything was. I didn't always know what was going to be underneath the surface if I dug, but it's okay because it's in my sandbox and it's bounded and I'm playing. And um, then when everything changed over the course of really a couple weeks, it's almost like I then went to the beach. Hello, we're at the beach. There's a <laughs> lot more sand and there are shells and there are people and there's an ocean. And, and there's um, a hot babe in the water shore. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully wearing a red one piece. Um, and, you know, I think the biggest thing that I've learned this past year is that the older I get and the bigger my life gets, the less I know. And that's kind of a contradictory statement in some ways, but it also makes a lot of sense because I find that as my life just gets bigger and bigger and as I'm exposed to more and more things, I'm exposed to more things I never could have imagined, you know? And so I have this deep appreciation for what I don't know that I don't know. And that's humbling. It's really humbling. And I think, you know, what holds hands with that insight is also wisdom, you know? So the more you see, the more you experience, the more you know, the more you're able to recognize things, the more reference points you have to call upon. There are more patterns you can start to recognize. You learn more about yourself. And so it's, it's this wonderful interplay of a deep respect for what you don't know while also appreciating the fact that you know a lot more now than you used to, if that makes any sense. Oh my God, there's so many things I want to talk to talk about as you're talking. <laughs> um, I mean, I had a very similar awakening, I would say, and that was that I've shared it so many times on my podcast, but the one time when I wrote, read the quote, keep some room in your heart for the unimaginable. And so what that opened up to me was a world of like, wait, there's so many things you can't even imagine right now that could still happen in your life. Like, like similar to what you said, you stepped out of the sandbox and there was a whole beach. And suddenly you realize there's so much I can learn. There's so many ways in how I can grow. There's so many people out there for me to meet, so many experiences for me to tap into. And so the moment you start to like have that sink in, as you say, it's a humbling feeling because you realize, oh my God, there's so much I don't know. And I'm wiser now than ever knowing that. And so when you can approach the world and your life with those kind of classes on, suddenly you become more grounded, more understanding to other people. It's much easier to take in new information and new, I guess, like learnings about yourself as you go because you realize there is a whole beach out there. It's not just a sandbox. And it, with that comes responsibilities. And it's going to be hard things, fun things. You know, people are going to come at you because you're not safe anymore. But at the same time, you suddenly open up to this whole new world of possibilities. And um, so I think you put it so beautifully when you said you were in a sandbox and suddenly you were out there without your pink walls and there was a whole ocean. <laughs> And then another thing I really want to say too is like I usually think about like, wow, so much can really happen in a year. And it's only when you look back in retrospect that you realize so shit, so much can actually happen in one year. 
And um, I know that's a lot of things has happened for you this year as in my life. I mean, there's a reason we have a weekly phone call because we used to live in the same city. And now when we don't anymore, you're in New York, I'm in San Francisco. Uh, and this, that was just a way for us to keep our relationship going. But, you know, I moved cities and I, a year ago, I didn't even think about living on the West Coast. And it was just about how can we find a new place in New York and what's next from here. So a lot of things can happen. And I think it's when we open ourselves up to like, embrace the outer things that happen to us that's when we really start our inner soul searching journey as well so i would say could you wrap up maybe like three things that you feel like you learned about yourself this year and why those things have been important to you or are it so many things that it's hard to get them down to three? Oh my gosh let me let me think for a minute um so i think one thing that this year has really reinforced for me is just this concept of action plus faith. You know, and this is something that you and I talk a lot about. And action is on one hand, you're super intentional about what you want to create for yourself, for your life. You're unstoppable. You go beyond even when it's uncomfortable. You do what there is to do. And then the faith part is actually trusting that things will unfold exactly as they do. And even if it doesn't make sense at the time, sometimes it'll make sense later. And you can't always have one. Actually, you can't really have one without the other. Sometimes there'll be a situation that it's more appropriate to wait more in the faith bucket. Sometimes you'll have one where it's more appropriate to wait in the action bucket. But I think this year there have been so many things that, you know, came together in a curious, nonlinear, like nonsense-making way but at the same time, totally made sense. Um, you know, one example of that being I'm now in my dream job. Like this is really the job I've, I've wanted as long as I have wanted a job. And this is something that on the one hand, like I did what there was to do in terms of, you know, everything in the world of, of good work and, and everything that I would know to do in order to get this job. And at the same time, there were a lot of detours that made no sense at the time. You know, there were times where I thought I'd already, I'd passed up this opportunity for another opportunity. And it turns out the second opportunity wasn't quite the right fit. And I thought that there's no way I could ever possibly land this job. Is this year has definitely shown me that the things that seem like blunders, the things that seem like mistakes, the things that seem like closed doors, burnt bridges, um, those sorts of things, you actually have no idea what the nature of those things are. Amen. I yes. have no idea. There were so many things that happened that I thought that was it, you know, whatever that means. And life just showed me that that was not it. And in fact, it ended up serving me in some way. And there's this... Um, there's this idea I've been holding lately. I believe it's by Brene Brown. And she says that resilience and hope is not an emotion, but rather it's a cognitive process that comes about when you know that someone believes you can get out of a jam. Like it's something like resilience is the belief that you can get out of a jam and the belief, and the belief that other people have in you that you can get out of a jam, something like that. And I just feel like all those things that I thought or the end of the road, um, whatever that might have been, the fact that they turned out to be really anything but 
builds my own spiritual resilience. It builds my faith in life. It builds my faith in myself. And there's a tremendous comfort that comes in knowing that I actually have no idea how it's going to turn out. (laughs) You know, so you kind of let go of like, it has to turn out this particular way. You do what there is to do. You use every tool you got. And then you, you learn, you see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I, (laughs) Thank you, because what you just said is basically what this whole podcast is about and why it came to life. Like, hey, change is about being open to that, you know, that could be whatever, like, outcome of what you're doing. And just because it's not what you thought of in the first place doesn't mean it's not right. And I really love how you brought up action of faith. And I think to add to that, like, what does it mean to, to you know, to practice action and faith? Because just like you said, Many times you will think like, oh, this was a detour or I made, you know, I did wrong. This, this was a mistake or I messed up. I feel like though, there, like, like with everything in life, the only thing there is, is learnings. Mm-hmm. And I think in each of those moments, you have to really bring it to yourself and say, what did I get from this? And how can I continue on? And also something I just re- learned recently there is no such thing that a perfect life, because even though you get your perfect job or your dream position or you, you attract the perfect partner, there will always be things about that situation too that you don't particularly like. And so it's really about finding a struggle that you enjoy. And so I, that life is hard doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing, right? Because like if life is too easy, we don't particularly like that either. So it's really about like embracing the journey and to say, okay, um, this really didn't turn out the way I thought it would, but I learned something from it. Maybe I built character. What can I, how can I move forward, like for my next project or whatever? And then also what you said, like, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Just action and faith. And as long as you feel it in your gut that what you're doing is the right thing right now, then I, I believe it can't be wrong because there is no way to knowing the right answer. You're never going to know if going for that one education or taking that one job is going to be the right choice. You never know. You will never know. And so, and you know, oh, excuse yeah, me. <laughs> no, I'm just want to say like, so the only thing you do know is like, does it feel right to me? And then whatever that, you know, decision is going to lead you, you can only know in the future. But I just feel like there is no right and wrong. It's just trusting and having faith. And, you know, I think, or rather one of the things that I really believe is that your life is a function of the context you live in. You know, life isn't any one way. Like, things happen. They are no way inherently. It's really, it's the context you create around it. So what you're pointing to, T, is something that in Cool and Thoughtful, it's one of the principles of the project. It's called hold a context of learning. You know, learning is something that we create for ourselves. Something could happen. And one interpretation of that could be, oh, this is the end of the world, or oh, I'm a failure. But to actually glean the learning from that experience, that is something we generate, you know, and to create an empowering context for living like that is that is so central for me. (laughs) Like that's that's the way I'm really committed to living my life. And there's there's a challenge in that because it's got to be authentic. You know, that's not to say, oh, everything has to be great all the time. That's not what that means. But to generate an empowering context is doing things like finding the learning, Hmm. you know, finding the learning and building momentum from the learning rather than, you know, staying stuck and feeling like a failure. And that's not to say don't feel like a failure, have that experience, 
but be mindful in terms of just how far that's going to serve you. You know, is the purpose to process this, to let it go, to let it breathe so you can then move on? Or are you feeling like a failure because you're angry with yourself, you're beating yourself up, it gives you an excuse to stay stuck, it gives you an excuse to to not create what's next. All of these things are, are completely human, totally normal. But, um, you know, life is a function of the context you create for it. And to create that context and, and to enroll other people in it and act consistent with it, like that's a life's work. Yeah. And like, I think, I feel also since you're saying this, listening to us now, you might think that we're so put together and, you know, smart <laughs> and grounded. There is a reason we have each other in our lives because more, so, more often than not, we call each other like, oh, this is the worst day. I don't feel like I can do this. I have no self-confidence. And we are literally there to help build each other up again. So when we talk about struggle and finding the journey and whatever and faith, it's hard. Like we're not just say, sitting here like pretending that it's easy, but it's part of it. And it's a beautiful part of life. And I think it's really important to to understand that and be humble with yourself. And like you can do it through journaling or just you know, meditating or like try to really find a friend or like do all of it, but try to have someone that you can like bounce things with, especially yeah. if you're a girl because you're hormonal. <laughs> so even more <laughs> so than guys, but you know, it's really good to have someone there that really listens to you and to want that wants to help. And um, sometimes I feel like I call Karen or my mom, wherever it might be. And just by talking, I kind of solve the problem myself, but you need to have someone to just, you know, Say it out loud too, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but so yeah, life is a big mystery and we're here to explore it and try to figure it out. And I know that some of the most recent personal missions that you've been up to is learning how to speak up. Um, is that something you want to share a little bit more about? This has been pretty amazing. And this is a hot off the press journey. Um, you know, this is something that really came to my attention a couple weeks ago and what I started to see was that I was being run by something like wanting to be liked or being afraid to upset people or not wanting to make a mistake something like that like really being subconsciously but hyper focused on that would have me not speak up when I saw something differently or when I thought there was something that you know, attention needed to be drawn to, or um, when I had a point of view. And so I've been in this incredible journey of actually discovering a whole new realm of self-expression and a whole new realm of communication for me, because the inquiry is now, how do I hold the values that are, are really dear to me around warmth, optimism, kindness, curiosity, all things that, that really matter to me when it comes to communication And how do I express those in a way that also speaks up, you know, that really says what there is to be said so that I'm speaking in alignment with, you know, what's in my heart, what's in my mind. And I'm discovering what that sounds like. You know, this is truly not more, better, different kind of talking. This is like a whole new world of communication. And it's not really a linear thing. It's not like I'm in a conversation, I say, okay, I'm going to speak up. It's more like, um, I don't even know how to, des- how to describe it. it. Like this mission is now entrenched in me. Um, <laughs> so so I, would, would, you yeah. say, would you say that before there were moments where like you felt like you had an opinion that you 
wanted to get voice but you just didn't say anything because you were afraid of like people not liking you or like you didn't want to create a contradictory you know opinion about anything or anyone yeah 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 yeah. or like um yeah I think that 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 was it it. well so how, how would you say do you how do you feel different now just having even like realized this mm. thing within you before, like, you know, compared to before, like, how do you feel different? I feel more peaceful. Because <laughs> um, you got to imagine, like, if you've got a little point of view inside of you or like something that needs to be expressed, think of it as like a pink bubble. Okay. It's like a pink sparkly bubble, like bouncing around inside of you. And when you say it, you release it out into the world and it goes into the world and like sometimes it sticks and sometimes people like it and sometimes people want to hold it or take a picture of it. Sometimes they don't like it. But regardless, like that bubble of carbonation, if you will, like that's expressed, that's not inside of you. Whereas if you hold it in, it's there and it's like this bubble that's kind of there in you. Um, And so I feel more peaceful. Um, It's also a pretty extraordinary exercise in building confidence, you know, because every time I I share what there is to share, it takes courage, you know, it, it like, it takes something, some things take more than others to share, but it's kind of a leap of faith. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm putting this out there. I'm like, I don't know how it's going to be received, but every time I do that, I get stronger. Every time I do that, I know that I'm, I'm acting in alignment with myself, as my boyfriend Sam would say, so that's, I'm just smiling because that's a phrase that he says is act like act in alignment with yourself. Um, so, so not only am I acting in alignment with myself, but I'm also building my muscle to be uncomfortable. Like I'm building my muscle to see like a little uncomfortable pocket in front of me. Like, I don't know what they're going to think, or I don't know how this is going to go down. And I do it anyway. Like that is courage experiencing the fear and doing it anyway. So I'm building my courage muscle. And in the process of doing that, I'm demonstrating to myself that I am someone who can do that, you know, different from like building your courage. Yes, I'm building my courage. And I'm demonstrating to myself that I am someone who can build that courage muscle and like take a risk. And like, there's also just more that opens up out of that. You know, sometimes things are landed that then create like a new dynamic in a relationship or, um, you know, a new opening for action or a new idea or a new sense of relatedness. Like there are things that open up out of it too. And sometimes it falls flat, but that's part of the learning as well. (laughs) You say it so beautifully because you say it about, you know, you're building that character that you are someone to be reckoned with. Like you are here for a reason and it might sound like the silliest thing that, oh, I'm, I'm, t- I'm practicing how to speak up. But then, again, I think so many people can relate to you, me included, that, you know, we are, maybe if you're a woman in a corporate world or if you're a man and whatever, like whoever you are, and especially with social media where you want to, you are like, you're given a chance to edit everything you put out there. And then suddenly you're just in this like, vocal conversation where like I want to voice my opinion and then you don't for some reason because you're afraid of like what people might think of you or how that's going to be you know interpreted the wrong way or whatever it might be or just like you don't maybe maybe don't even feel like you have anything to bring to the table so just that act of like actually talking or speaking up when you want to 
I can see that being so rewarding. So thank you, first of all, for doing that for yourself, but then also for sharing it with us. And another end I wanted to add to that, because we talked about this a little bit before, is that I think like learning how to speak up and finding that authentic voice is about so much more than just getting your point through. I think also when you learn how to speak up, you're giving yourself the allowance to also like be wrong. Like there's mm-hmm. a chance that whatever you say, whatever your opinion is, is actually not the right one. And I think if you are, you know, brave enough to speak your opinion, you're also adding that humbleness to yourself. Like, well, what if I'm not right? Then that's okay because I can change my mind. And I think we need to get to that point. I think it's actually so important that we realize that as human beings, we have the right to be wrong. And not only do we have to, re- I think we have to realize how important it is to be able to be wrong because only then can we go out in the world and be open minded, but also like see the world through love and see ourselves through love. Because if we don't have to always like defend our own opinion because we feel, we feel dumb for being wrong or like, I don't want to know if I'm wrong because then that makes me look bad. Like we can all be wrong and that's totally okay. So if you have the, the, if you have the courage to voice your own opinion and then to be like, oh, I didn't know that. And now when you bring that new information to the table, maybe I was wrong. And that was okay because now I know this new thing and I can change my opinion. And so that's how we change. So I think, you know, the second part of like being able to speak up is about saying, you know, giving yourself the room of like growth, right? Because if you don't speak up in the first place, then you don't even have an opinion maybe. And then then if you don't speak up, you don't have the chance of someone correcting you. We're not correcting you, but like, you know, auditing whatever you were saying or like bringing like, or you like at the same time, okay, now I'm getting off there. But like if you voice your opinion, then you actually have a chance of changing someone else's opinion. So I think it's vital today where there's so much information out there that we have the courage to speak up. And especially if it's tied to your gut, like, I know you're saying this, but I don't feel right about it. Like, maybe I should voice whatever I'm trying to, like, how I feel about it right now. Is it making sense? I'm just rambling right now. No, it's fine. I mean, I think what you're saying is that, like, the very courage that is required to speak up is, the requ- is like, the courage that allows being... Okay, now I'm tied up. It's, like, the courage to be wrong, you know, that... Like, it's not afraid of being wrong. Like, if if you have what it takes to speak up, even when it's uncomfortable, or even if you're afraid, then you also have what it takes to be with being wrong. And if you can be with being wrong or being disagreed with or being unliked, and you can actually get to a place in yourself where you are okay enough in yourself and you're grounded enough in learning and curiosity, you can all of a sudden go through life with a whole new freedom. Like, if you're not governed by needing to be right, if you're not governed by, like, needing to be liked, if you're not governed by having to say the right thing, you're actually free to express yourself. And you're free to express things that might not be normal or might not be conventional and and might actually be really needed. And that's not to say that we should abdicate responsibility for the impact we have on others, because that's a very different thing. There's a difference between, quote, not giving an F right, that has sort of a a bite to it and an abdication of responsibility for the impact we have on other people, because that is paramount. We impact others, and we've got to be responsible for that, versus not letting our own fear of other people stop us from acting on what really matters, 
or speaking up for what really matters. The two are totally different. Yeah. Um, Thank you for saying that because that's a really important point to make. Yeah, you're welcome. You know, the other thing, T, that I'm just discovering, too, within this whole world of speaking up is there's also something called speaking up to yourself, (laughs) not just for yourself, but to yourself. And this could be, you know, I'm sure we've all had those moments, I certainly have, where there's some thought that comes through and like the good practicing, you know, meditator in me says, oh, that's just a cloud in the sky. Let the cloud go by. Uh Uh-uh, no, the cloud is stuck. The thought is here to stay. The thought is occupying Karen. And, um, you know, there are times where that thought will just go off and running and I get completely disempowered. Like I am taken out of the game. I'm second guessing myself. I'm worried. I'm concerned. And one of the things I'm discovering is that part of speaking up is speaking up and saying, stop, like enough. That is the thought. Like speaking up to myself, setting limits with myself, like enough of that. Move on. That's not who you are. And um, flexing that muscle is really scary because what if I'm wrong? You know, what if that scary thought really is true? Like, oh, can I really trust myself? Should I be paying attention to it? You know, and it it really comes down to do I want to feed that train of disempowerment, of fear, of worry, of all that stuff that probably was born from, you know, something traumatic that happened when I was seven and or another life, you know, karma that I'm carrying with me? Or do I want to feed what I actually create as a conscious being who has full agency and is blessed to have a lot of tools to actually create a life that really serves me? Um, and, And that's the choice. And you and I often talk about stepping into a different room, you know, and then there's one room, there's this default. It's the default thoughts we have around what's wrong or what did we do wrong? Or in my case, it's definitely like I did something wrong. I always did something wrong and I will not stop until I find what I did wrong. And then I will find all the evidence for myself to prove why I did that thing wrong and should feel guilty forever. Um, you know, that room and recognizing that that is the default room, like the state of being a human being is we will find what, what there is to worry about. And like, that's just automatic. And there's a chance to step out of that room and to create something else and to create something that really serves us something around being trusting and courageous and powerful, you know, whatever it is that lights you up and to create that room and you feed that conversation you feed it by sharing it with other people. You feed it by by telling yourself that again and again and again. You feed that by taking actions consistent with that. You feed that by breathing that, literally breathing that. And to really stand in, if nothing is more true than anything else, <laughs> what do I want to feed? You know, there's a saying, I think it's, it's some Native American saying around, there are two wolves inside of you. And the one that lives is the one that you feed. And one wolf is that first room of disempowerment, of worry, of default, of the things we carry with us. And the other room is the life we actually want to create and the context we want to create for ourselves. And so which one do you want to feed? And that is a complete journey in itself. Um, And it's certainly the journey that I'm on right now. Yeah, we've been talking a lot about this lately. And I think, first of all, I just want to say it's so important that you understand that only you can be your own biggest cheerleader. And there will be times almost daily 
when that default room is going to fall into place and you're going to bring thoughts to yourself that are not serving you very well and no one else can even see those thoughts or help you deal with them because you are the one who has to like identify them in the first place and just like Karen said there are so many times when those thoughts are actually built upon childhood dramas or even maybe past life's experiences and energies or something that you should have dealt with it a long time ago and just haven't yet and you don't even understand that they're still there bugging you all the time and so I mean a way that we you and I Karen have <laughs> have learned to deal with this because we realized that there were certain like patterns in our lives that kept coming back <laughs> over and over and over even though we talked about them so we like just similar to the two wolves like the Native Americans say we have two people living inside or maybe multiple but there's definitely this one person our alter ego uh, we decided to name them Tasana and KK, uh, versions of our names, and they're a little bit of drama queens, and they definitely live inside us, um, and I don't know about you, but Tasana comes out a lot when, and it, it, it plays off of Tess, by the way, Tasana, and um, she comes out to play when I'm in a weak spot, or I'm stressed out, or it could be that, you know, moon cycle, or whatever it might be. But she will tell me again that, you know, tiny things can blow up, become the biggest things in my life. And I always have this default, um, you know, default thinking that people um, don't necessarily like me. So again, like having to have everyone like me and people always, you know, audit my opinions, just silly things, really. Um, And we don't have to go into depth about the different personalities of Tisana and KK. But what we want to say is that when you can see that she still lives there and she she's usually very afraid. And what I came to lately, and I think we talked about this, Karen, is that the only way to deal with that alter ego, the drama queen that wants to create drama even when there's no drama and that wants to bring you down even, maybe that's not her first intention, but she happens to bring you down all the time anyways, you have to show her or him, if you're a guy, that you got this, you know, mm. that you are in control. She can take it easy. She can go down to rest. She doesn't have to come up all the time and, you know, bring out her dancing gear and, like, show everyone how it's supposed to play. She can just keep quiet and you got this. And I think the way to do that is to acknowledge her. But then mm-hmm. also in a situation where, let's say, you feel stressed out or you those thoughts come back to surface and you know that they're not the most rewarding thoughts about yourself, Really take a moment to step out of it and reflect. And then again, like Karen said, say, how can I step into the new room? How can I deal with this differently? And how can I deal with it in a way that I feel good about it? Because yeah, you will make mistakes and people will come at you and you will have to deal with people that are in bad moods or whatever it might be, or you might, you know, mess up, which you will do all the time. But then you don't have to beat yourself to death every time that happens because that's not how you move forward. And so how can you step into the other wolf of yourself and say, okay, how can I deal with this with love? How can I respect myself in this? How can I learn? And just show Tasana, because we're talking about her right now. Show her that you got this. And it's a practice for sure, but um, it's important. It's really important. Do you have anything to add about KK that you learned recently? Because I know this is like a journey we've both been going through. Totally. So I think um, just to, to call out for listeners, 
one of the real values in creating these alter egos, it will actually, there, there are two. One is that you can actually distinguish that thing that runs you that doesn't serve you. You know, so for you, T, Therese, <laughs> you know, Tasana is all about, you know, people not liking you. Whereas for KK, it's all about what did she do wrong? You know, had to have done something wrong. And so by actually getting curious around like, wow, like what is this personality that I've got? You know, what is this thing that really just ruins my experience of life, frankly? Because that's what it comes down to. It just, KK ruins Karen's experience of life. To actually distinguish that by naming it, distinguishing it and recognizing it is the first step in actually creating something else. And so that was really the value of creating these alter egos is really an activity of, of distinguishing. Um, I think the other purpose in creating these alter egos is to get that that's not us. That is not us. That is something that has come in and occupied the space that we are through karma, through trauma, through whatever it is. And so to really distinguish between that thing doing its thing and who we really want to be. And so I think one thing I'm I'm just discovering, like this is real time, I started to see this last night, was that I've gotten really comfortable with a practice of noticing. You know, so I've gotten really comfortable observing things, reflecting, distinguishing. Oh, that's like, okay, that's KK, or oh, I'm doing what I do. Oh, I'm perseverating on what I did wrong. Oh, I'm second guessing myself. Like I can see it. I am actually in a place where I can really see it as it comes up, which is fantastic. You know, there was a time where that was all undistinguished, but what I'm starting to see is that just recognizing it, just being aware of it, just distinguishing it is insufficient because I can still be aware. Oh, KK is active right now. She's having a field day. And at the same time, I can still have an experience of life that's really crummy. I can still feel really anxious. You know, I can still be really worried, even if I know that that's her. And so one of the things I'm really looking to do and and literally practicing this actively is causing another way of being. So what I mean by that is usually I'll see how I'm currently acting, how I'm currently being, what KK is doing, that whole, you know, worry, anxiety thing. And I'll usually say, okay. I can bring being trusting. Okay, I can bring being confident. But that way of being is still kind of like a somewhere out there thing that I can try to do versus actually like, no, be confident now. Cause that for yourself. Generate that for yourself. Close the door on those thoughts. Say stop. (laughs) You know, thank you for sharing. And this is not a suppressing thing, okay? Just to be clear, this is not a suppressing. It's important to know the difference between what is something that needs to come out, be aired out, versus what's something that just you need to just close the door on. And so I think for me, how I know I'm not suppressing is twofold. One, I've been in this practicing of noticing things, being really aware. Like I do that in spades. So things get expressed through that process of noticing. Um... And then the other thing, too, is that I realize that those things that I do, those experiences, they don't serve me. They don't serve me. And so there's no need to keep them around. (laughs) Their value is only in showing a 
a set of habitual patterns that don't serve me. Once they show up and I'm really clear, like this doesn't work for me, that's the signal to go do something else, to go be another way. And so I'm, I'm really practicing closing the gap between noticing and reflecting and actually having a different experience of life. That is, I, I can say this, that's easier said than done. And I think it's really important that you bring this up because yes, we can acknowledge her all we want, but then if we don't do something about it, nothing's going to change. And also wanting to do something is different from actually doing something. And sometimes we don't even know how to do something about it. And yeah, we can say that, hey, I know this is my alter ego, my drama queen being out right now playing with me. But even though like she's strong, like how do she, and we're used mm. to having her around. So it's really hard to just shut that door. Uh, one thing that you and I tried, um, or we have promised each other to try out, is just texting one another and say, hey, KK's out to play. And then I know who <laughs> I'm dealing with. So when I respond back, I'm not talking to Karen, my dear friend. I'm talking to her drama queen, who's, you know, obviously out to play right now. And so maybe have someone, have a friend or someone who can just be there for you to like, okay, you know, I'm just letting you in on having one of those days and I'm not serving my best right now. Help me out of it. And um, have someone accountable for that that you know will step up and do what's needed to be done. And even if that means saying something to you they don't really want to hear. And then it could be something as simple as no, like acknowledging when that behavior comes back up, when she's back, okay, I need to just rise from my chair right now and walk around the block. Or... Just something, just change whatever you're doing, get out of it. Um, yeah. I think that's really powerful because we can be kept in our thoughts until we change our environment. Another, another idea too, T, and this is something that I've also recently discovered, is when you have those experiences of everything's okay, lean into those, like love those, like those are gems. Or if you've got the experience of like, wow, I'm really happy or like, oh, wow, that was great. Or, oh, like life is good. Even if it's fleeting, invest in those moments. You know, we're so easily suspect. I mean, I'll speak for myself. I'm so easily suspect. If I've got a feeling of, oh, everything's good or like, oh, everything's okay. KK immediately flares up and is like, what is there to worry about? What did I do wrong? <laughs> and, and so, you know, to really like, put more stock in those feelings of okayness. And there's actually, um, my mom often shares these, these pearls she gets. She does a lot of work with um, brain science and meditation and what the relationship is between the two. And I'm not going to get the facts right because I don't know them. But there's something like when you really invest in those moments and you pause in those moments of everything feeling good and everything seeming okay you're actually strengthening the part of the brain like there's there's some neural correlation to it I wish I could I could nail it more succinctly but you're actually changing the way your brain is thinking and so that's one thing that I've really been doing uh just recently even to what I say cause another way of being you know how do I stop the reflection of like oh wow KK's KK's at work right now to being confident, being trusting. Well, one way I'm doing that is I'm actually focusing on what's positive. I'm focusing on what feels okay. I'm focusing on what is resolved. I'm focusing on progress made. No matter how visceral, you know, how ephemeral it is, really investing in those moments of okayness. And that's so much more important than I think we even realize because it's so easy to only focus on when things are bad and stressing out over like, 
I'm not feeling okay right now or I did wrong. And then we even we forget to even acknowledge when we do good stuff. So thank you for that. Like it's we have to stop and pause and reflect on life is great and pat ourselves on the shoulder and tell ourselves that we're, you know, we deserve to be loved. We're doing great things. Yes, we might take tiny steps in one direction, but we're taking steps somewhere. And we have to really embrace that. And then I have this one um, beautiful canvas made for one of my friends, Suze Darkin, and it's hanging on my fridge and it says, it's okay to have a bad day. And it's it's yellow and fun of like flowers on it. So it's not like a gray, like, oh, mm. it's, it's okay to have a moody day. Like, no, it's okay to have a bad day. And I think it's really important to remember that too because we all have bad days. And also something I really want to touch upon before we have to wrap this up. We have to understand that everyone is going through shit. You know, no one's perfect. Even though someone might look perfect on the surface, we have anxieties. We have things we have to deal with. We have a Tasana or a KK or whatever name she has inside us that's always going to be there and trying to like ruin things for us. And so when we can see that, maybe we that will help us understand that life is good you know and mm. like the bite to life is why it's worth living you know if we didn't have a challenge if there's no way for us to grow and become better ver- better versions of ourselves then why are we living even and i think when we can start looking at life with those eyes it's like okay yes it's okay to have a bad day but i'm also awesome you know yeah i have a demon inside me who likes to come out to dance every now and then but i know how to deal with her and yeah It might be, I mean, it might be really comfortable in that pink sandbox. It's really nice because you can see all the walls, they're pink, you can see all your toys, like you know exactly how to build the sandcastle, like it's really comfortable. But if you want to go swimming, you can't, you know, or if you want to take a walk on the beach, you can't. Or if you want to go search for seashells, they're probably not going to be in the sandbox. And so, you know, the world gets so much bigger and this kind of goes back to this idea of like it's all about it's all about the story you tell yourself you know if you step outside the sandbox and you're like I am at the beach this is great like I don't know what I'm gonna do I feel totally overwhelmed I don't know how to swim but I'll figure it out (laughs) almost drowning getting saved by the safeguard who happens to be super hot (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly like you know if, if you take life on with that kind of adventure you, you can't lose, you know, because losing is just a story you tell yourself anyway. Um, I love it. Thank yeah. you, Karen. Yeah. And you know, you know very well that we could keep talking all night because that's what we do. But for a listener's sake, I think we need to start wrapping this up. And I would love to do that with my final three questions. Sounds great. Are you ready? Always. Awesome. Been ready, been ready since last June when we were sitting on your bedroom floor in Brooklyn um, doing episode 14. It was so hot, I remember. We were like sweating away and had to close all the windows. <laughs> A lot has happened since then, but you know, <laughs> improving life. All right, final question number one. To you, what does it mean to practice self-love and what are some things that you try to do daily to do so? I think practicing self-love for me is staying on a compassionate journey of personal development, you know, at the risk of sounding trite, you know, to stay on this journey. The only way to stay on this journey is with compassion, 
you know, and being willing to look at the deepest, most unpleasant parts of yourself. But you inherently have to do that with a spirit of love. Otherwise, you stop the journey. You know, if you look at the parts of yourself that aren't working and you get upset about those, well, then the journey stops. (laughs) It's actually looking at those with curiosity and seeing the possibility in those things. Like, wow, there's something else possible. Not because this is bad or wrong, but like, wow, this is how I've been being. And there's another way to be. And I am so interested in that. That is an expression of self-love. And I love that journey. You know, I really, really love that journey. That journey is my life. And um, I think that's absolutely an expression of self-love. Absolutely, for sure, 100%. Thank you. So if you were to go and visit the 20-year-old version of Karen and tell her one thing, what would that one thing be? Life is a lot less binary than you will come to think it is. And I get very moved by this question because I think this is probably the biggest thing I've learned in my 20s. And we're only halfway through. (laughs) (laughs) Confetti. Um, I really see how I could have a very binary view on life. And life is so not binary. And there's been a a lot of suffering, a lot of pain, a lot of angst that I've experienced because of this binary view of life. And... You know, I am so grateful for every experience I've had where I feel life is binary because it is through those that I've discovered how much more flexible it is. And this is something I, I continue to discover. Um, but this is absolutely what I would want my 20-year-old self to know. I love it. Thank you. And I think so many of us can relate to that question or that answer. So thank you. Mm. All right. So a lot of things that happen in one year, we all know that by now. But there's another five or six months or so of 2018. So picture yourself at New Year's Eve 2018 and you have a glass of champagne or whatever it might be in your hand. And as you're about to ring in the new year, you tell yourself, Karen, I'm so proud of you this year because... Oh, this is a wonderful question. (laughs) I am Karen... I am so proud of you this year because because you now speak up as a way of being. Like you just speak up and you've discovered this amazing expression and you've been able to make a difference for people and you've been able to make a difference for work and you've been able to make a difference for yourself by, by speaking up in this way. And I am so proud of you because you brought this book, How to Be Cool and Thoughtful, into the world. And I'm so proud of you because you're, you're building partnerships with people who really believe this idea, believe in this idea. And there's some synergy that could actually unlock something in the world. And I am so proud of you because you've demonstrated to yourself again and again that you can create a vision for your life, whether that's as concrete as the job you want or as ontological is how you want to be in terms of being confident or being free and you can actually manifest that and you have built those muscles and you'll continue to build those muscles and i love you for it 
Thank you again for tuning in today. I'm super excited to have you with me on this journey of change. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes. And if you have a minute over, please leave a quick review and some stars. Thank you. I'm also to be found on Instagram via the hashtag HeyChange or on my website, HeyChange.net. So please follow me and we can be friends. All right, until next time, have an awesome day and don't forget to get out there and embrace some change.